Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Decision. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a tough decision. You know, when you weigh that, you know, you're deep at other positions. And how are we going to help our special teams? You know, how is our fifth linebacker? Is he good enough to play special teams right now? Um, so you just kind of weigh your whole roster. It's a big puzzle at the end of the day. You want to take care of your offense. You want to take care of your defense. But special teams, you know, you really have to take care of them. Well, there's Broncos GM George Payton talking about who I thought was the most surprising cut of the initial 53 for the Broncos, John, and that was Brett Rippon. Uh, you know, cutting Brett Rippon, and that was his response in the presser about it. Uh, I was floored by that move. You know how I feel about Brett Rippon, Rippon time. You know, uh, you know, the Broncos, they had a nice quarterback competition this year, but you do want depth of quarterback, right? You don't want to come into a situation where you don't have any quarterbacks. You might have to put a practice squad wide receiver in as your QB or something. So, you know, I thought it was it was tough news to hear Rippon getting cut, but I'm coming back down to earth now because he's on the practice squad. So Brett Rippon is not my guy. Brett Rippon is, is still on the team. So I'm going to take a deep breath and we can continue on with the show. Yeah, I, I was surprised just because I thought he would be like their emergency COVID quarterback and putting him on waivers was pretty risky because there are teams that I thought in preseason had really bad backup quarterbacks. I thought someone like Rippon might have been appealing to someone like, say, the Cowboys, where the Cowboys ended up claiming another quarterback off waivers. So it worked out in the end for the Broncos because he, he went through waivers unclaimed and they brought him back on the practice squad. So he is going to be their third-string quarterback, and they might put him a li- in a little bit of a bubble this year. So it worked out in the end. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Great job by George Payton and co. Yep. Gotta love it. You know, my guy and, you know, that game against the Jets on that Thursday night, place a little wager on it, sit back on the, you know, watch a a kind of a bad football game that was also really fun. Uh, I'll never forget that night that Brett Rippett started. Uh, it was it was a fun time. You know, quarterbacks are always, uh, you know, we're always going to be talking about it. I think you look around the league, not a ton of huge, crazy cuts. You know, some big names. I think the biggest one happened out here in New England with Cam Newton. I could tell you right now, John, Patriots fans, we didn't see this coming. We did not see Cam Newton getting released. Uh, you know, only a few reporters really stayed on that take that Mac Jones would ultimately win the job. Bill Belichick had been telling us all year that Cam Newton was going to be the guy. Him getting cut on you know the morning of cutdown day was shocking. And now you have to wonder where Cam Newton ends up next. The Broncos are a team that people actually link up to, right? I mean, now Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. Drew Locke is there as well. But, I mean, they could bring in Newton you know, at a cheap price and have him come in and compete for the job if they think he's better than Bridgewater, right? I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, but do we really want to put ourselves through that, right? Like, do we really want to go through another quarterback competition? Yeah, I think now it's pretty late in the process. And I, I like Cam Newton, and I think if it was a couple of years ago, it'd be completely different. But I think at this point in his career, he's not the player he once was. And like you're saying, they already got Teddy Bridgewater. It seems like Bridgewater is their short-term solution guy. Why bring in another short-term solution guy uh, like Cam Newton, especially when like all summer Bridgewater worked his butt off at training camp and preseason. He did nothing wrong. Like all the coaches like him, all the players like him. And since he's won the starting job, the coaches have just hyped him up about what a good guy he is and how he's a good quarterback and he's going to lead the team. If you do that and then you're like, okay, now we're bringing Cam Newton, who at this point in his career, 
may or may not be better than Bridgewater and we're going to let him duke it out. Like, I feel like a locker room that wouldn't be well received with how they've been acting like they're very pleased with Bridgewater. And, and it seems like that's justified. So uh, at a different time, like a couple years ago, I think Newton would have made sense for the Broncos. But right now at this point in his career, it's it's something to consider and look at. But I think when when you look at they've got Bridgewater, he's their veteran guy who's going to be your starter. And then you got Locke, he's your own guy with your upside. I don't think, and like we just mentioned earlier, Brett Rippon's on the practice squad still. So you got three QBs. I don't really see them moving on from any of them. So I, I just think there's not room for him right now. But wish him the best. And I'm kind of surprised the Cowboys claimed a guy off a quarterback off waivers. I thought he would have been a great backup for Dak Prescott. So we'll see where Newton ends up. Yeah, I thought Dallas made more sense. But, you know, they, Dallas had to get somebody. They had Cooper Rush as the backup. <laughs> you can't do that. you got to bring a competition for the number two guy when Cooper Rush is your backup. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just think for the Broncos, this, this conversation is fun because it involves the quarterbacks and Cam Newton is kind of a – a polarizing guy. He comes into your locker room and he affects change, right? He kind of becomes the guy in that locker room. And, and people love Cam Newton when he's on their team. There's no doubt about it. But it seems counterproductive. You got Teddy Bridgewater. You got Drew Locke. I think we saw Teddy Bridgewater win the job over this past week, John. And we saw Drew Locke handle it like a pro. Oh, and yeah. Like a, like a player who, uh, you know, he, he handled that with more maturity than I expected. I, was, I appreciate that from Drew Locke. I don't know if Cam would handle it the same way. He thinks he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league still, and that might be a big reason why he was released. He, he probably didn't want to be the number two guy behind a rookie. Uh, so why would he want to be the number two guy behind Teddy Bridgewater or, or Drew Locke, right? Like, I just, it's counterproductive. You've got your quarterback. Your competition's over. Teddy Bridgewater's your guy. Let's move on. All right, John, let's get some of your, uh, your, your big takeaways from the initial 53. Let's start with the wide receiver depth chart, first of all. I mean, obviously... Uh, a loaded room that Broncos have plenty of talent, especially from the last couple drafts. But a guy that I think was kind of a fan favorite, a player that a lot of pundits probably thought would make the roster was Trinity Benson, but he ends up not getting cut, but getting traded by the Broncos. So obviously he was a guy that teams were calling about and he's a guy that turned himself into a pro wide receiver, but he's not here. What'd you think about that? Yeah, initially I was pretty shocked because a lot of people had Benson on their final 53-man rosters. But when you look at it in hindsight, George Payton basically flipped him for a fifth round pick. And like when I look at some of the wide receivers that were cut yesterday, honestly, I don't think there's a whole lot. Like I like Benson a lot and I'm not trying to slam like dunk on him. But like I think there were receivers that were cut yesterday that are pretty comparable to him. And the Broncos netted a fifth round pick instead of just cutting him and trying to get him to the practice squad. So uh, initially I was like, wow, Benson, that's kind of surprising. But in hindsight, when you look at them getting value from him, it's okay. Okay. They got value. Like, as you're saying, they only kept five wide receivers. I think that was kind of more of the shocker because they had so much depth at the position when like fans and pundits were doing their projections. They're like, okay, how can we narrow this down to only six guys? Maybe the Broncos won't do that. And maybe they'll keep seven just because it's such a tough decision. And then Peyton comes and he says, no, you're all wrong. We're going to keep five and and we're going to trade away Benson. But it's another thing where hindsight is 2020, just like Brett Rippon, it kind of worked out really nice for them because they got uh, Kendall Hinton, Tyree Cleveland, and Seth Williams, who was a rookie they just drafted this year. All three of those guys, they cut and they cleared waivers and they got them back on the practice squad. So really, they kind of have eight receivers, just three of them are on the practice squad, but they can obviously move up and down. They can be activated 
to a game day roster and whatnot. So uh, they're kind of thin on the active roster, but if you include the practice squad, they've still got plenty of wide receiver depth and Benson, like I like him, but they have a returner in Deontay Spencer. He was a pro bowl alternate like two years ago. So they have a good returner and Benson as a receiver, he would have been the sixth guy. So he would have barely played on offense. So it's not like you're losing a ton by trading him and you're netting a, a draft pick. And this year in the fifth round, they got Caden Stearns, who looks like a future starter, and Jamar Johnson, who looks like you will have a bright future. And it that doesn't mean every year in the fifth round they're going to get two good guys, but it just shows that in the fifth round you can find some value. So uh, I'm rambling a little bit, but initially I was surprised, but I think it was good value for him. And it's it's a little surprising that they only got five on the 53, but if you factor in the practice squad, I think it makes sense. Obviously, the numbers on the defensive side uh, stick out. They kept five safeties, so they just couldn't part ways with any of their really talented young safeties, which is uh, which is a good thing to see. I think teams continue to be envious of the Broncos' defensive back uh, room. It, it's just loaded. Uh, I thought quarterback was uh, interesting, right? They originally keep five corners. Uh, they also add another one in Mike Ford from the Lions out of waivers. He was their first waiver claim, if I'm not mistaken there. Uh, but injuries play a role in this, right, John? Like they keep their guy, initial guys, but guys are moving to the reserve list and maybe the pup list as well. So maybe you can kind of give us a breakdown of the injuries and how this affects uh, the defensive depth chart a little bit. Yeah, so at cornerback specifically, Michael O.J. Moody, he's going on injured reserve, so he's not going to count on the 53 for three weeks, and then after three weeks, he can come back, provided that he's healthy. He can come back in week four, so he's a guy to keep in mind. And then, as you said, they just got a guy off of waivers as we're recording this on Wednesday, so he adds even more depth there. And then starting the season on the reserve, physically unable to perform list, they've got Duke Dawson, who was he's been kind of banged up his whole time he's been in Denver. But when he's healthy, he's been a very good slot cornerback. And then they got Isang Bassey. He was an undrafted rookie last year who I really liked. I thought he did really well. They had so many injuries that he kind of became a starter. And he's also a guy that can play very well in the slot. And I thought he did good. And now once he comes back, he'll be like their sixth string cornerback. And to have someone that he wasn't perfect last year, but he was starting games. And to have someone with that experience and he's young and so low on the depth chart, it just shows like you're saying they are so deep in the secondary. It's Loaded. really nice. So Loaded. so Dawson and Bassey, they, because they're on the pub list, they got to sit out the first six weeks. And then after six weeks, if they're healthy to bring them back, the Broncos would have to cut two other guys. But by that time, who knows what injuries there will be, what other players will have been cut and such. So they can deal with that when they get there. But it's just something to keep in mind. Not only do they have the corners that they kept, eventually those two guys will be coming back off of from the injury list. And O.J. Moody, he'll be back after a couple of weeks as well. So they've got nice depth going into week one, and there's even more reinforcements coming down the road. Interesting movement, John, uh, for the running back room, right? So uh, Royce Freeman out, and they claim uh, a running back in Nate McCrary, right? So an interesting room because you still got Mike Boone, who's, uh, you know, he's injured. So Freeman out, McCrary in. What do you think about that? It was surprising to me. I, I honestly don't really understand it because Boone, he's an experienced guy. He's a former third-round pick. He can pass block. I think he pass blocks pretty well. He can run just fine. I think he's averaged around four yards a carry, which is for a third-string running back, that's pretty decent. You can work with that. And he can catch out of the backfield. Like He's not a, 
extremely potent receiver out of the backfield, but he can do it. So really he can do everything you ask on offense and he has played some on special teams. Maybe in addition to that, it's possible that they wanted to be nice to Freeman. And like, if there's a running back needy team, maybe he could be the number two or like even this coming up in week one, if somebody, if their starter is down, like he's experienced enough, he could even pop in and be like a, a fill in starter for somebody. So it might be partially, they figure he's going to be buried on their depth chart. It'll be nice to give him a fresh start, go somewhere where a team really wants him and really needs a running back. So that might be a factor. I, I'm guessing special teams is a factor because from an offensive perspective, I, I was really surprised. I don't I don't get any, anything he's done wrong on offense to be a third string running back. Like he can do that job for sure. Special teams is definitely a factor. If you're listening to George Payton and these pressers, he keeps on bringing it up. So obviously a very high emphasis on that. I don't think they're happy with their special teams from last year, John. No, not at all. Even in preseason, it hasn't been good. Yeah, true. Uh, Okay, so last week, Hall of Fame selectors picked wide receiver Cliff Branch and coach Dick Vermeil over Broncos greats like linebacker Randy Gratishaw and uh, coach Mike Shanahan. What are those two guys, John, you have a problem with not being in the Hall of Fame? Take the floor. Branch getting in over Gratishar, I can understand because Branch, who won three Super Bowls with the Raiders, it's like, okay, fine, he, he can go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I still want and think Gratishar should be in, but what really threw me off with that was Dick Vermeil getting in uh, over Mike Shanahan. I don't understand that at all because Mike Shanahan, he won two Super Bowls. As a head coach, Dick Vermeil won one Super Bowl as a head coach. And then Shanahan also won a third Super Bowl as an assistant coach. And he has uh, more wins in his career than Vermeil. He has a better win percentage. And if you look across the NFL, you can still see uh, Shanahan's offense. Like you can still see his influence on offenses and you can still see his coaching tree it's still in the nfl today like out in green bay with the packers out in san francisco obviously his son uh kyle and with the rams in los angeles uh sean mcveigh they're all understudies of mike shanahan so his offense is still around his coaching tree is still around and like not to be mean to dick vermeil like uh, sure he's a nice guy and he's an accomplished coach but to me if you stack up the resumes mike shanahan's is much better than his and i think shanahan even this year, uh, the Steelers coach that got in, I don't think he really had much of a better a resume than Shanahan either. So I, I thank you for letting me rant. I think it, these <laughs> coaches that are getting in or at least getting nominated for, I don't think they should be going in over Shanahan. Well, this is your podcast, John. So if you want to rant about Mike Shanahan, I'm going to give you the floor whenever you need it. Okay. So uh, coming up next is our fantasy football question of the week. Thanks for sticking around. All right, John, I've been playing around with my 14-team fantasy league strategy and mock drafts, just you know, kind of flirting with passing on drafting my first wide receiver until later on in the draft, maybe, maybe waiting as long as the fifth round to take my first wide receiver. Uh, the idea being that wide receiver is the deepest position, so let's stockpile a bunch of wide receiver twos or wide receiver threes and try to win the league that way. Of course, you've got to be smart to do that, so I'm already at a disadvantage, uh, as people who listen to the show know. Uh, but there's one wide receiver I keep ending up with when I try this strategy at a mock draft and I pick a wide receiver, my first guy in the fifth round, and it's usually Jerry Judy, right? It's usually DJ Moore coming off the board, and I'm usually stuck with like Jerry Judy or Deontay Johnson of the Steelers as my first wide receiver, and I usually go with Judy. So what do you think? If people were to employ that strategy and end up with Jerry Judy as their top receiver in fantasy taking this strategy, what kind of upside do you think Judy has with Bridgewater? Do you think that could pay off? 
I think that could pay off because uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure off the top of my head that the Panthers last year with Teddy Bridgewater had a pair of 1,000-yard receivers, and I think he could probably repeat that with Cortland Sutton on one side and Jerry Judy on the other side. Like Bridgewater himself, I don't think he's going to be a huge fantasy quarterback, but he's going to give his receivers enough targets, and they're going to get enough yards after the catch to be relevant, just like in Carolina last year, the Panthers, they had two fantasy relevant receivers. Even if you weren't starting Bridgewater as your quarterback, their receivers could still get the job done for you. So I think it'll be similar this year with Sutton and Judy. I'd be comfortable with either of those guys. All right. Love it. In our sports betting question of the week, I'm pulling up the typical app. I want to look at the early odds, John, for week one. It's never too early to talk about week one, even though we got some time here between now and the kickoff of the first game. Broncos at Giants in the opener. It's a 425 kickoff, and the Broncos are favored on the road by two and a half. I'm very passionate about what side I'm on in this game. What's your what's your gut reaction right now as we stand today? Broncos getting two and a half at New York. My gut reaction is the Broncos better be able to get two and a half. Like <laughs> I don't know that they will, but I think it's going to be a problem if they don't because uh, we've talked about on the podcast the last few weeks, the defense has gotten so much better. Teddy Bridgewater is competent. The offense has so many weapons. And the Giants, they just don't look that good. They've got a couple injuries on the offensive line. I'm not completely sold on Daniel Jones. Who knows if Saquon Barkley will be back in time for week one. Evan Ingram, he's got his own injury. We don't know if he's going to be there for week one. So the Giants are banged up. They didn't look that great in preseason. And granted, it is preseason, but the Broncos did look pretty good in preseason. So just if you look at the trends, it seems like the Giants at this moment aren't necessarily going up, whereas the Broncos are trending up. And even though it's in New York, I still would take the Broncos to win by at least a field goal. I think if they don't win by at least a field goal, uh, fans are not going to be happy with Vic Fangio and company. Yeah, I have to. I have to agree. So if you if you were watching on Sunday night this Giants game against the Patriots, the Giants did their big dress rehearsal. So their guys that were healthy were out there, including Daniel Jones. This is his first game, and he was playing behind the starting offensive line. And oh my God, the Patriots were doing nothing. It was all vanilla, and they were getting pressure on Daniel Jones at will. And Andrew Thomas at left tackle was not good. And I think any Broncos defensive player in the front seven watching that game was licking his chops and cannot wait for this game, John. And I think this is going to be the day that Broncos fans get to kind of laugh at the rest of the league and say, hey, look at our defense now. I think the Broncos defense is going to feast on this Giants team. I I I agree with everything you said. I think they're banged up. Saquon, even Kenny Galladay is another one who's banged up. He's got a hamstring. Broncos minus two and a half. I mean, hammer that thing. Hammer it now. And that's what it is on the typical sports betting app right now. If I'm getting two and a half, I would bet it early and I would bet it hard because I think the Broncos are definitely going to win that football game by at least a field goal. And if they're not, we're going to be back on this show freaking out exactly. about it, John. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, exactly. all right. So, so now we'll just have to see how many moves are made between now and our next show because like, I think as we've been talking, uh, moves have been made by the Broncos. It's a crazy time of year. Yeah, it is. And as you were just mentioning, the Giants, their offensive line didn't look good. The Patriots weren't even doing anything fancy. The Broncos are going to be doing fancy stuff yes. in week one. Yeah. They got Von Miller coming off the edge. They got Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. And then their backups, Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper, spelling those two guys. Like, they could be in contention to start for other teams. So they got four really good rushers. Then they got good rushers on the inside. But I don't need to go down the whole depth chart. The point is the Broncos' strength 
is set up to really hurt the Giants' weakness. So I'm right there with you that it, it should be a fun, exciting week one matchup for the Broncos, and they should be able to beat them by more than a field goal. Absolutely. How about that? Does that make you ready for week one or what? I'm ready for it. John just fired me up talking about that. So uh, plenty more on this game against the Giants. We'll be talking about it over the next couple weeks. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.